All right, welcome to another episode of Empire. I'm Pete Barenberg here along with my co-host and founder of Purewell CEO, Nick DeFrancesco. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, we've had a uh, crazy week this week with a lot of new uh, products that we're working on. And, um, you know, I'm excited because we have somebody that's legendary in music. We have somebody that's making big movements out in cannabis, very knowledgeable. Uh, why don't you tell everybody what we what we have today, Pete? Well, the legend you must be speaking with is a part of the infamous mob, as well as Mob Deep adjacent. We're talking about Big Twins, a.k.a. Twin Gamgino. How you doing, sir? Hey, how you doing? How y'all doing out there? Doing well. And we're also here with founder of Black Market Group, Anik Goldsmith. Anik, how are you? It's Anik, but awesome. I'm Anik. doing great. I no, you're good, bro. It happens all the time. My mom gave me that name just so people would, I'd have a conversation starter with people. I like it. <laughs> that, works. Right. that works. That works. Awesome. Unique, unique. <laughs> it's like so, unique with an ah. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, I was talking, uh, going through some of the articles whenever we have somebody on. Uh, I was going through, um, you know, something in uh, 137, it's an interview about support for legacy farmers and social equity. And uh, Rakim, uh, which spoke on it, and he was talking about, you know, the real support, not just talk, the ability to think creatively with cultivation and willingness to try ideas. So talk to us a little bit about the support of um, BMG that's given out for just cannabis in general, what you stand for, and uh, what you're passionate about. I mean, totally. That's why you see someone from hip hop here with a weed head weed nerd, right? Because these two things go hand in hand. Legacy is like a fundamental piece of our, of both these industries, right? Folks took risks, built a thing, were considered counterculture for a really long time. If we look at the 90s, like the two biggest enemies of the state were weed and rap, right? We had frigging congressional hearings about That's for sure. naughty words and music. You know, and there's <laughs> folks who are like, yeah, right. And so blending those two pieces and like, that's why we're working with Rakim and that's why we work with twins and all these folks is blending those pieces of, you know, if you built this thing, you need to have a place in it. And the music industry went through this, this whole time period where it like systematically stripped people of their music rights, stripped people of their masters, gate kept. And we don't like us at Black Market Group, we don't want to see that happen for weed. And we're still in a time period where we can claw this thing back from MSOs and back from like pointy shoed bros, like Chad's and bottle bros and all those who think that they get to like turn this into their, you know, vanity playpen. But the reality is, is like we still have time to not have to go through that same arc that rap and hip hop did where Thank God now it's back to like being democratized where people are making their own music themselves or in charge of their own shit. But we don't have to go oh, through yeah. that struggle. We can stop this right now and put this back in the hands of the folks who built it, who are the best caretakers for it. You know, there's people who hidden trees so they could grow their weed. I know a woman who's like 85 years old and slept in tree platforms for like six years straight so she could water her plants. You know, that's who's <laughs> supposed to be in this business right now. Not some guy in a Patagonia vest, you know, with an investment banker logo on the tit. Um, it doesn't know shit about soil. They doesn't know shit about shit about shit. Doesn't know shit about the culture. Why yeah. do you think cookies kills it? Right? And Mad Men, Mad, Mad Men, Mad Men was such a shit show because Burner knows what the culture is. He came from this culture mm -hmm. and Mad Men had, had no idea. And so, you know, that's what, that's what 
we're doing here or trying to at least. No, I love it. I mean, this is, this is exactly, and you know, it's kind of funny because I know you had said something like, again, your dream, right? You're following your dream. And you were listening to cassette tapes, sneaking away, smoking weed back in the day. And, uh, and you can't imagine that this is what really what you do for a living now. Right. So how did that actually, right, right, right. So, so how did you get, you know, how did you get into this? You know? So, I mean, let's start there. Um, I, it was accidental for me. I mean, I moved packs allegedly back. It's long enough now, but I moved packs back when I lived in New York, but on the cultivation side, it was kind of just a whole bunch of accidents. And, uh, I ended up in Southern Humboldt with some cats who've been growing since like the sixties, seventies, eighties. Um, and to me as a person who had operated in business and business development before, but also had, you know, has a passion for weed was like, wow, this feels like an opportunity to get a master's degree in cannabis and to learn this art, this craft from folks who've been doing it for a long time and to not have to deal with all the mis- expensive mistakes that they did. You know, that's, that's what experience is. And if you get to uh-huh. like apprentice for somebody like that, that's worthwhile. Um, of course. And then I just got like addicted to the culture of this environment, which is like this cool ass blend of like meritocracy and ruggedness and self-sufficiency and outlaw cowboy shit and intersectionality. And the fact that like people who like we don't look or act or aren't a certain way, it's everybody. Twin and I talk about this all the time. Like, how the fuck would we know each other if it weren't for we? Yeah, <laughs> we, we talk about that all the time how it brings everybody together you know mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what walk of life you're from or where your yeah. upbringing was or your demographic or socio I mean, it doesn't matter and it's the love of the plant and some reasons are for culture some reasons are for fun some reasons are for pleasure some are strictly economic and need driven right there's a lot of people out there you know that like this is the way that this is the way I can make money and and improve my circumstances. That's kind of how yeah. I got into it because I was like I need to make another income, and that's kind of how I dove in it. Um, for me, I, I watched uh, um, a, a bunch of rappers putting out weed, right? Um, and the way they do it, they kind of like I right, we put the weed out and they just get a, a paycheck like once a month from the company that's cultivating it. So for me, I kind of wanted to be more hands on and you know, really get out there and put the boots on the ground, go to the farmers, find the dope farmers, find the um, dope distro and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to do it like how Burner did it. You know what I'm saying? Really build a brand from the ground up. A lot of people don't do that. The other rappers, they kind of just just coming in and just getting a paycheck every month and some guys are doing everything for them. I actually do everything for my company, Infamous Farms. So yeah. It's See, hard we love work. hearing it. Good. It's usually yeah. important. That's why he's he's killing it. Honestly, like I've watched him just grow this business and be sustainable. We know it's not 2009. Slapping a rapper's name on a bag of weed doesn't sell weed. You guys are in Florida, so it kind of still does there. But here in Cali, that that doesn't do anything. That shit don't mean (laughs) nothing in California. I'll tell you that. And and the dispensaries tell you that. The dispensaries will tell you that, too. Like, we don't care who's on it. Let me see the product. Let me show it's right. You know what I'm saying? They really... For me, I like it like that, too, because I don't like to try to use my status or nothing. I want to show them the real product, dope packaging and stuff like that. Well, listen, let's be honest. I mean, quality is king, right? So it doesn't really matter if somebody's name is on on something and the product is shit. I don't care what kind of it could be a car. It could be clothing. It could be anything. I mean, yeah, it's great that somebody's name's on it, but if the product sucks it doesn't really matter right so well, and it's, um, it's worse if than it's that. popping all over the problem place you know you don't want it 
Yeah, right. and it's, it's worse than that too. Like it fucks up the name. You can look at we can look at a bunch of brands who have launched, like high high profile brands who have launched with fucking garbage in the bag, and they've had to dead the whole brand and start from scratch again. Tyson 2.0 is Tyson 2.0 for a reason. Right. Like it, it's worse than bad. Yeah, it's, because the name you, sometimes gets you that first buy, right? Like, oh, this is Rakim's Weed. Plus, our packaging is it. You know what I mean? Our packaging is super dope. And so, yeah, it gets the first buy. We treat the bag like it's art. We want it something that people would keep and collect. The bag that we built out for, for twins is sick. It's this fucking dope ass. Do you have a, you have one of those nearby? That portrait of you? It's fucking, I'll send you guys a thing of it. Maybe you can pop yeah. it up on screen. Yeah, and awesome. do your Digital magics. But, um, and it's like a meaningful piece of art and it's cool. And it's, we want people to keep that. We want them to you know if we have to put shit in disposable garbage, you know, that becomes things that people throw away. Like hopefully they keep it for another use for something else or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but, but the I, quality's got to be there. And that's where he and I have always seen eye to eye. And that's honestly why, one of the reasons why you guys are, well, a, just the passion of the culture of the plant, the culture, the, 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 everything that we do in cannabis. And that's who we want to bring on. We want to bring on real. We don't push agendas. We're not here to like, you know, it's just because of somebody is who they are. We want to talk about what's really important and what's going on. And so the people and the listeners really understand the backstory or, okay, for example, let's, let's talk about something. You pulled out uh, a nice little bag right before the show and we were talking California, about so I can both of us are in California. We are legally allowed to possess. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. As long as you have your medical like marijuana said, card in Florida, bit. you can have that as well. But it's a new flavor. Is it a new flavor? It's it's yeah. It's, this it's is gelato forty one. This is strawberry Gary Payton. It's it's ice, it's red pop and Gary Payton's mix. It's a new strain on the market. Nobody really has it. I'm like one of the first. Yeah, we got none of that down here. That's so right. right. So now let's talk about this though. Okay, now we just talked. Okay, what do these names mean? What's all this stuff? Okay, great. Now let's talk about what the difference between sativa and indica is, (laughs) and why that might just be ridiculous that people even refer to that anymore. So could you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is one of these like soapboxes that I lose my shit over all the time, and I feel the need to like. It's one of two. One is why are there more terpenes? It's actually they link to each other. Why are there more terpenes in sun-grown outdoor mixed light, all of that, than there is an in indoor? And why is that better? And sativa and indica, like those names. Well, we could come do that from, next. We could yeah, do that know, next. Yeah, we'll do both. How about that? <laughs> those two, uh, <laughs> those two names come from a history of where these plants come from right? There's two general environments that the plants come from, typically high altitude and colder environments and shorter photo periods, right? Shorter seasons, shorter summer growing season. And the other one is equatorial, hot, humid, usually humid, but hot, 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 and equatorial meaning long, long photo periods. And so the photo period is the amount is like the the, just like a human, we have photo periods. We want to go to bed at night. We want to get up in the morning. We have a certain time clock. These plants are driven by their photo period because they die once a year. So originally indica and sativa, that was a great description, but like, especially for the last really 20 years, extra, extra for the last 10 years, we're like pollen chucking everything in its mother and everybody's mixed up and there aren't these like clean lines that are from land races. So those 
broadleaf indicas and narrowleaf sativas come from adaptations to that environment. Um, but like those things don't, you can have sister plants from the same parents. One of them has big wide leaves. One of them has skinny leaves. One of them starts flowering in like the second week of July. One of them starts flowering in like the second week of August, right? That's like these extremes on either end, but they came from the parent line. So from a consumer experience, what you guys are like, what folks are grasping for is the words to describe like the kind of different qualitative highs, but that's from terpenes. That's not from the fact that this plant has a big fat leaf and this plant has skinny leaves and this plant flowers sooner and this plant can wants a really long ass senescence. And so because of that, you're grasping at chirping profiles, which aren't always tied to physical adaptations to environmental pressures. So those terpenes have this have that most impact, not the leaf size, not the lineage, not all those physical adaptations. And those terpenes are the plant's response to environmental pressures. A lemon doesn't smell like lemons because it wants to attract you and because it wants to be lemony. A lemon smells like lemons because it has terpenes in it that the plant uses to repel pests and it deals with like fungal pressures and its environmental pressures, right? Um, limonene is like a super strong antifungal for the plant. It's its own defense mechanisms. And just like that, plants don't produce terpenes just for the heck of it. They do it in response to environmental pressures. It's why outdoor has the most terpene constituents of all flowers. Straight up outdoor, then light depth is second, then third is mixed light, and indoor cannabis has the lowest terpene content of all cannabis that you can smoke. And that's because if it's not stressed, it's not non-armor. So that's my soapbox. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is hugely important because this is a huge misconception. Um, so, you know, the they're like, well, smoking sativa. You know that, right? The old, they loved entire East Coast sativa was number one on the East Coast. That's when they had that weed called sour. That was sativa. But that was a terpene uh-huh. profile, not tied to plant shape. And that's all why that we can't here. use sativa indica anymore. We just really, it's just not accurate. Because uh, that was an saying, 80s term. Right. So what we're just saying to the lame uh, you, uh, you know, listener is what we're just saying is sativa indica, right? So indica in the couch, a little bit more yeah. tired, you know, like this is what they used to say where sativa is more like cracky, up, alert, give you more energy. This is what was how they would divide the plants out. Right. And, but, but indica and sativa is more a reflection of a physical trait, like the way the leaves grow, than it is the terpenes. It used right. to be very tied to terpenes. The other thing is you're talking about minor cannabinoids, like um, plants that flower faster tend to develop, like the THC tends to start to senesce, right? That's like the death period of the plant. And that means you get like, um, you get THC starting to convert into CBN and things that are like sleepier cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. Plants are chemical factories, right? Like we take that stuff and we do it in the lab. We replicate in the lab when you're talking about like hemp, derived products where we're converting major cannabinoid constituents like CBD into like a bunch of other stuff, HHC and, you know, Delta eight and Delta 10 and THCO and THCP. Those are all, we call that synthetic, but like a plant is biosynthetic. It's doing all that chemistry in the plant. It all has a purpose. And that's why it's possible for us to replicate that outside of the plant. 
So this is great. Yeah. This is great. And I just, I just don't think people really understand any of this <laughs> to be honest no, with you. Okay. I definitely weren't expecting it. And it's, yeah. and it's, well, no, it's not that. I mean, we know this stuff, but this is because we're nerds, right? We're, we're, yeah. we're, this is what we're about. But the problem is, is that for the layman, um, and even at your basic dispensary and some dispensaries, they definitely don't go into this. They don't really understand. They're looking to, uh, you know, basically push their agenda of what buds they have. And, and that's it. And you really need to know as an educated consumer, and this is why you're on empire and why you listen is why we want you to get educated right but this and is why this- dealers were the shit because you know who does actually know some of this stuff about terpenes and all this is fucking dealers your dealer right. needed to care about your needs right like that was their whole business model well, and, and like he the, needed you know, to the have people something. i hear out in new york in the street talking the most about terpene profiles and fucking chemistry and stuff like that there's dudes in New York who are hustling who now do THC potency tests in their in their living room on their product to provide their consumers with data that the consumer wants. Mm-hmm. Right? And you're talking about legacy owners, dealers, things that are not in a dispensary. So when we hear all this stuff that, um, well, you know, it's better at a dispensary or it's better in a... Now, look pluses and minuses, right? But what we're talking about here is, is that the people that live, breathe it and know the plant from growing it or selling it or using it, or they're the ones that you want to get the information from, right? Do you want to talk to the guy that sells the car or the one that's telling you, wait, this car does this. And the guy works in the, the service mechanic. department. Right. That's who you want to talk to. Is this car reliable? Like, <laughs> is this what I need to, you know, and it, it's, I know we're trying to dumb it down, but you need to understand that there's so much more to this amazing plant. And there is a lot of science that goes into it. And there is a big deal when you hear all these crazy names that you've probably never heard of, or you think that you know this strain and you're like, because you need to know what works for you. The same thing right. when you're talking about hemp, right? Or if you're looking at what you're trying to address, you know, do you have a medical condition? Are you looking to dress something medicinally that the, the cannabis plant is going to be used for? Or are you looking to have fun? And, and either one is fine. Right. But- they're all valid. But yeah, like that's why what twins and I are like our goal and what we're trying to like long-term work on building is, and that's what like the whole thing with Black Market Group and all that is, how do we take the old way which has the so that when they when they put this legal system together they said here's a whole new way and this is how we're gonna force the entire market and the the selling point will be like clean safe tested product why did you have to invent a whole new system when there's an existing system that functions beautifully and we can also have that have clean tested safe consistent reliable product Mm-hmm. You know, and put keep legacy operators in business. The folks who like know the most about this plant and who care about it. You know, and, and I think it's more like that same, do you want to go to a craft brewery or do you want to go to someone that is Budweiser, right? Are you going to someone that's put their blood, sweat and tears into something that probably is doing it for close to nothing or I mean, you know, with everything going on right now, now we talk about California, we're going to talk about California versus New York. We're going to talk about Colorado, you know, all these different people, uh, different ways of they've got into the cannabis market or the hemp market and how they've done it, where a lot of people aren't extremely happy of how non-legacy is running in California. 
80% of all sale of, of all sales of cannabis in California is legacy. That's correct. 80% of cannabis and, and that net reflects across the United States. 80% of cannabis consumed in the entire United States is coming from the unregulated market, despite the fact that seven out of every 10 Americans live in a state with access to legal recreational or medical marijuana. Why the fuck is that? It's a wholesale rejection of this system that's being imposed because they're so obsessed with getting 35 or 40% in tax revenue. So they're getting 35 and 45% of tax revenue on 25 billion instead of like something reasonable, like 10 or 15, like we see in craft, like wine where I live here or beer, instead of 15% of a hundred billion dollars. And instead of keeping this incredible workforce of there's probably like three to 400,000 dealers out in the United States right now, just like doing their thing somewhere about that, that makes up that marketplace. Mm -hmm. Those are six figure earners who support the, who support the economy and have no legitimacy. So instead of actually focusing on taking these trained earning people and taking their money and integrating it into the system, right. And having it be net beneficial for everybody through tax dollars and appropriate taxation, they're, pushing those folks out and continuing to like discount them. There's still states where you can't get a dispensary license if you have a weed felony. What, right? What, what are you talking about? Or there's paternalistic <laughs> programs like New York state who says, we're gonna build you your own dispensary and we don't get to decide where it's gonna be. You know, like it's, it's, it's intense. It's, you know, it, it's paternalistic and functionally it's like tinges of racism to me. Because it's like, yeah, let's find social equity candidates who are criminalized by cannabis. And that's mostly black and brown folks when you talk about places like up and how folks are literally criminalized for the rest of their life for doing something that people, white people, black people, everybody does, politicians, all of that. Right? Well, like that's... it's all perpetuation of the same system. And <laughs> no, but th yeah, she's totally... Um... You know, you're obviously speaking to the choir, but it's needs to be heard. This is yeah. the truth. <laughs> this, is, this is not something that is not uh, talked about enough. And, and so you know what consumers can do, though, like that's who can change this. It can't. We can all talk until we're blue in the face because the politicians aren't listening and the tax regulations aren't going to move. But if consumers start to say it and consumers start to purchase from companies who are ethical, who are not these massive MSOs, who are, you know, support small and mid-sized businesses, which is middle, you know, like a middle-class jobs, like decent paying dignity and work jobs, then they can move the dial. We've seen them do it with fair trade products. We've seen it do it with like made in America. We, mm. you guys who have a voice and all of y'all who are listening can talk to your friends and talk to everybody about, buying your cannabis from somebody who's been in this industry for a long time, from black and brown people making a point to go to the, the teeny, teeny, tiny amount of fractionally owned businesses that are minority owned, you know, that are independently owned, that are, you know, husband and wife up in the hills, that are second, third generation sometimes in cannabis, mm -hmm. because those people pay their employees fair and they're supporting an entire village. On, on people underneath. Well, you're them, you're above. basically saying, I mean, just in general, support small business. Let's be real, right? I mean, you're you, these are the people that are are really the ones that you're going to want to, again, just like in anything. You, if you want that quality, if you want somebody that actually cares, that's not pushing an agenda, 
go with this type of, cons- uh, you know, industry, um, industry leaders, if that's what it should be, but it's the opposite, right? So, you know, big twins, you know, we'll get you involved a little bit because it's, you know, a little quiet Sorry. over there. You know, a little quiet. Oh, it's oh, all right. Good. So um, you said that New York has a chance to outsell California in the cannabis game. So um, I guess- It's absolutely doing that now. All right. Well, well yeah. Right. Oh, so yeah. How are they doing people it? People don't know most of the sales, like especially the revenue that's coming in from cannabis is majority is coming from New York. Like they're killing everybody. And then the reason why I know this because all the big companies out here are running to New York, all of them. It's so weird. It's so weird because two years ago, it wasn't like that. But right now, a lot of the big companies are calling me. Yo, twin, let's do a collaboration. We, we opened a store in New York and it's crazy right now. Like I got in the last week, these big companies that I look up to, contact me saying you're the shit in new york you're the hottest shit in new york and i'm like Burr? okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean don't get me wrong you know I, I we get things out there you know what i'm saying so so i kind of been spreading like, I, like yeah, but i'm I I saying I, but what do you why do you think that is though why do you think that it is all transitioning to new york or why new york's leading leading the way they spend, more, can't grow. They spend more money that's what yeah. it all boils down to they spend the guys in the hood, one dude that buys weed, he probably buys fucking thousand dollars worth of weed every couple of days. So in California, it's not like that. <laughs> but I mean, do you think it's also but, but you know, two different regions, right? I mean, we're talking about growing. We're talking about all these different things. And, and anybody could can jump in. It doesn't matter. But um, do you think the quality is equal? Do you think? No. You know, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to understand. Yeah, the weed is better here. The weed is always going to be number one in California. I had to realize that I want weed to be number one in New York. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the, that's not the facts because, you know, probably the humidity, just the way the atmosphere, you know, just the whole area over there is yeah. a little different yeah. than over here. It's really you know, the humidity. Just, I'm, I want to taste some weed in Florida that's grown. That's what I want to No, you don't. Well, that's, the, the thing is, is that we don't, I don't nope, know. If, I don't good. know if we're up to that. I don't think Florida's definitely not. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Colorado, so that that's my. Oh, you, you like know, crunchy I, weed? You like weed I, that you go. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like well, I like I like how they the industry in itself. In yeah, it's a good it's a good industry, but it's the, dry weed, bro. You know, I'm talking about like. Well, I'm also talking from a hemp point of view too, right? So, yeah. so you know, we gotta we you remember that that my side's more hemp. So, right, but bro, or I I I run. You don't care about flowers. Oregon's where it's at. Southern Oregon is the spot to grow. I've seen Oregon's seen, great too. Oregon is amazing. We get four times the acreage. We get four times the yields per acre in Southern Oregon. We can pull eight thousand pounds of biomass off an acre in Oregon, like with yeah, the but right. Well, Oregon, though, I realized every time I got some weed from Oregon, one week it should brown and get dry faster. It's it it's moisture up there, but yeah, yeah, it's a little weird yeah. that weed. I was like, tripping. yeah, but it's because the climate's a little moisture in in southern Oregon. You got um the peaks are higher here, like in NorCal, like the best weed that you're buying for the most part comes from above 1600 feet in elevation, like between 1600 and 2200 feet, because there's a coastal, like a marine fog layer out here in NorCal where like the best of it grows. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of it is the high ridgeline properties and they're dry, but they also cool off at night, which is really important for cannabis, but they're dry and they're hotter during the day. And in Southern Oregon, it doesn't get quite as hot. It rains more frequently, not much more frequently, but it does rain more frequently. So you get darker weed. 
Yeah. And his framework. The question is, is it possible that they can mimic the weed here and in Florida or New York? That's the that's the yes, problem. with a Dutch greenhouse and the build out is like one to three million dollars an acre. So yeah, what, what I can do under PVC and plastic in my backyard <laughs> here, yeah. like, I can build out an acre of PVC and plastic depth for $50,000. I did it for hemp stuff. We were depping hemp back in 2019 even because I was like doing all sorts of crazy stuff. With that. So I can do it for, for $50,000. I can set up an acre of depth. Yeah, there's more labor associated with it for sure than like a Dutch greenhouse. But like three $3 million an acre in it's a big difference. Probably. The cooling and the humidity management in Florida is a nightmare. Especially with the, the cost of what we're getting per pound right now. And that, that there's some other factors as well. How, how so many, right. just the, the cost that, that's right now that you were able to get per pound versus, I mean, there's, there's farms going under constantly because they just can't make ends meet. I mean, hemp is a nightmare space too, anyway. And people stop spraying hemp fire with THC, which... Sorry if you guys that not ridiculous. That wasn't a huge driving force in our industry for a long time. Um, well, why, you know, well, we got a, cheap enough that New it York priced them out of with that stuff. usefulness in the market. Oh, that was terrible. Oh, it's it's disgraceful. I go to events and they're like, oh, we got all this, you know, it's always hemp sprayed with this and hemp sprayed with that. Either it's Delta 8, but now it's Delta 9. It's God knows what else the father's spraying it with. Hey, we have yeah, a they're just trying to show line, white. <laughs> They just want to we show have a Delta white nine gummy it. line. We do it. We fully have a Delta nine gummy line. You know what I mean? For because it gives access to clean, affordable cannabis in states where there's no legal recreational or medical, right? Like our shit's tested to California standards. So yep. like, let's just put out a fire ass line and it can be bought in convenience stores. Cats out of the bag, bros. Yeah. <laughs> Well, going back to, and like I said, now we're going back to New York. We're going back to California. Um, do you think that New York State has taken the lead in supporting social equity and their recreational rollout? I mean, do you think yes. that New York has has added? I mean, obviously we're yeah, talking about the quality, best. but bad. I can say yes. <laughs> I can say yes, especially with the uh, like you know the the pizza pusher. I don't know if y'all know them guys. Yeah. In New York City. He killing. He got like five restaurants, and they serve infused food, and the shit is lit. You can't do that. The here. city's giving him a loan, very like explicitly. Mayor Adams is saying we're not we're not gonna mess with businesses that are not being out of pocket. You know, like like act as if, and we're gonna leave you alone until we start issuing licenses. Yes, right. Or we drained everybody else, actually, and we need to get more money. California, for you to do something like that, you need a, you got to get a license. Out here, it cost you a bunch of money just to because they have one, they have one out here, and they they was like the first one they was testing it out. That shit was closed in a couple of weeks, man. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm a little upset about that because I would love to open up like a restaurant or a lounge that could serve finger food and stuff. See, Virginia, if you go to Virginia, you they they actually allowing weed bars, so you can have a weed bar with finger food in Virginia. So I'm for me, I might open one of those in Virginia because I'm really one like the force of the culture is that it goes the culture of cannabis is so strong is that it has pushed itself out of illegal statuses into the broad daylight and is so widely supported by the people who live in an area, cities can't do anything about it. That's what you see in DC and New York right now, which is you're gonna waste your time with this. With this, you're gonna waste your time with this thing that's widely supported, and the cops won't. 
because it's not it's like it, the because the citizens aren't supporting it. So they didn't even have to take it to the ballot. They just took it to the culture. Right. Like that's because the cops wish they could be smoking. But no, the, uh, no, <laughs> yeah, but right. uh, I mean, let's let's be real. Right. No. And I think, again, this really goes back to. We can't pin it on anyone. Right. Like everybody supports it. You can't right. throw it in a closet now and say, oh, well, these are these types of people and you don't want to be associated with them. And that does not just mean race. I mean, that that is socioeconomic. That could be anything. Right. I mean, we always go to race, but it's not about that. It's I think it's more speaks to how everybody loves cannabis like it's just you know yeah. what i mean like it's it's <laughs> and then honestly there's not another product like that in the united states i mean there's or in the, the world, world. Yeah. that can it really doesn't have ring. some vilifying aspect right like uh, right well know, it like did have a villain but, but it really? did have that i mean remember uh, you know we're no, talking I mean about real cannabis. one like actually medically right. provable like uh, yeah, exactly. not, i mean yeah for me, I look at they tried to do that, is what I should have said. For me, they I look tried at, to make it like that. For and, me, and okay, sorry, I'm sorry. For me, I look at Thailand like Thailand is one of the dopest ones out of come on now. Thailand, they went legal, recreational, and then they said, you know what, we're gonna release 3,000 people out of jail that was arrested for weed. And then yeah. they actually, you can have edibles. Everybody's making edibles in, in Thailand right now. Like you get an edible, you get an edible. Yes, <laughs> they're making everything edible. So for me, they did it the right way when they went legal. Better than anybody. That's what I feel and I believe. And I'm talking to people in Thailand because my lady's Thai. And, you know, we talk to a lot of people over there and they're doing it better than everyone. That's what I believe. Yeah, but that's like a Because well, they just right? kind of opened it up cowboy style. Kind of oklahoma Better. Oklahoma just went, eh, fuck it. <laughs> Grow some weed, smoke some weed. I don't care. <laughs> Have you ever read their license plate? <laughs> what? No. Have you ever? It's Oklahoma is okay. Like, you know oh, what I mean? Like, it, <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's Oklahoma. You figure with all that weed out there, they get a little more creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I'm the happy to get out there. That's the future, though. Oklahoma has the cheapest power in the country, right? Like, it's literally right. the cheapest commercial power rates in the country. Cannabis, 10 years from now, looks like Southern Oregon, Northern California, growing the vast majority of it. Secondary is arid desert type climates, which is like the second best place for like all of Central Oregon, all the way down to like that desert weed in SoCal. People are going outside the LA area. That's the secondary markets. Looks a lot like grapes. Southern Oregon up to Yamhill, all the way down to Santa Cruz, best grapes, best dollar, maybe not the highest yields per acre, but the best dollar value per acre production. Then secondarily, Santa Barbara, desert places, blah, 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 blah. And then the third place is like human-esque places where you just make it work, just like grapes. Where Do you ever go out of your way to go, let me get a Long Island white wine? No, but they grow a ton of grapes in Long Island. Yeah, they, they do. do. Same as in Ithaca, right? It's cold. They grow all whites because somebody just wants them. I can grow grapes in an okay-ish place for it, mm-hmm. right? That's where all the other weed. And then all the indoor production is going to move to places where renewables, like Oklahoma and all their wind turbines, Central Oregon is pretty good too because we run off a lot of dam power, places like that that have cheap power. And then all of this siloed markets, you know, because it's an agricultural product. You've seen it go down in hemp. We've seen it move to optimized regions. Hemp grows and field acre grows. Colorado, secondarily deserts. It grows great in the desert. 
It kills it in the high desert. Your yields, it's the easiest. Southern Oregon is a waste of place to grow hemp because of the amount of touches. You may get dumb yields there, but the desert, like high desert kills it for field growing. No pest pressure. New York is terrible climates. But we are, we're working with two farms in New York. <laughs> we're going field grow to hash. That's it. But you did say though, but but bringing it back though, you're you are saying it though. In yes, it does cost a lot of money, but anywhere could be made to grow the best, right? If it was indoor, if it was in a way where we could control a lot of the climate, or you know, everything else that goes into it. Right. So, so my point is, is it, it could be made to work anywhere. And honestly, for lower cost of energy, they'll make it work in Oklahoma. Right. You know? Right. I mean, exactly. Like they're going. Cost multiplier. It's oh, still right. a cost multiplier. It still impacts your fixed up. The thing that Oklahoma does have going for it is it doesn't get stupid humid in the summer. It's not like a lot of other places. It's still relatively arid. All that wind movement around there. I was like, when I first, when they first went legal, I was like, I'm going to grow Depp in Oklahoma. And then I went out there and like my face blew off my head, you know, just standing in front of the hotel and you're like, Oh, fuck that. Nope. Not growing weed here outside. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, it's windy there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. The first time I went to Chicago, actually, it was the coldest I've ever, I like, and in New York is cold and I'm from Pennsylvania originally. When I went to Chicago, I was like, this is a cold like I've never have felt. It just bone chilling. So I can understand your face getting like pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pain. It's, it's pain. Is that, that's I mean, that fucking pain. You're like, how did you get in there? I'm wearing 80 layers right now, bro. And you found a way to my nipple. Right? Do it. What right. <laughs> that's why I do not like, I don't miss New York. I'll tell you that. I don't miss that cold. Yeah, he's and in LA, bro. He lives there. Yeah. <laughs> now that we're in, now that we live in Florida, though, we would go back up north. We're like, I mean, I don't know how we did it. We used to run around with like t-shirts and like short, like Sweat no pants, big deal. And, it, and, and now I'm like, I can't even, yeah, I can't deal. I can still like the change. <laughs> still yeah. a little too hot down here, no matter what. It's change. so hot. I was down there yeah, for rolling loud, is... like just standing on pavement all day, dying, dying. And then I got home here and it was like 95, but it's dry here. And I was like, oh my God, I love it. I yeah. love it so much. This is I appreciate sauce. it out here. I ain't gonna lie. And we talked about it. Rolling Loud was a was a great. I mean, they put it together a, a really good venue and everything. You know, you obviously can't control the weather. Um, but I do like uh, you know, like we were saying, Miami's a little ready for for a lot of different things. You know, we got Ultra, we got all the EDM, we got all these crazy, the crazy, you know, festivals and things that we're able to put down down here. Um, you know, we're a little bit north. Um between Fort Lauderdale and West Palm, up uh, where we're shooting right now. But um, you know, we head down to Miami all the time, and they just, what are you on Boca. They just... No, I'm in Delray. Just in oh, okay. Just north. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're in Delray. My grandmother and her friends. Is that near Tampa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's close. Right. That's now you know who our clientele is. Yeah, bunch of blue hairs. Oh my God, my grandmother loves D8. Loves D8. Loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it. She loves THC edibles. She likes live resin or live rosin cartridges. And she has two 25 milligram D8 gummies every single night. She awesome. loves That's it. Just, but I can't believe Sounds all the other like stuff. Sounds like she's a curate. 
<laughs> yes, it sounds like she definitely needs some purate. The um, no, you listen. If you got, if you I'll give you her address. Way. If Judy Goldsmith likes it, then you're in the clear, and I will endorse your product. <laughs> got it. Now that's another stamp you can add to the rest of them. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, look, at the end of the day, and, and this is why I loved what you were saying from the beginning, the middle and the end of all this conversation. It really comes down to quality people, you know, know what you're buying, know why you're buying it, know who you're buying it from and, and make the know decision. What you're buying. You, right. And what, right, what you're buying. Right. And, 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 and who you want to support and what you want to support, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to say like, it should be divided like we are right now and everything that's going on and the government and everything, but let's be real. I mean, do you want to buy it from somebody that knows quality and, and is trying to bring you the best product for whatever cost that is, but just trying to bring you out the right, the right quality, um, but just doing it the right way. Or does it really not matter to you? You know, are you, but if you're looking for something that's specific to either a, a medical condition or how you want to feel or how you want it to smoke, right? Or how you want it to look. Um, these are the things you guys have to get educated on out there. And this is why we're going to continue to do this, continue to talk to the people um, that are really going to bring it, be real, right? I mean, this was this, this was probably one of the realest interviews, right? And a long time with a lot of science behind it. <laughs> and that's what I wanted. That's what I was hoping to get out of you guys. And, and we definitely got it. And um, so if, again, you want us to, to make this show any better, ask us any other questions. Obviously, now where can we where can we follow you guys? I mean, where where tell us a little bit about where these p listeners can can check you guys out. Um um on IG, um IG uh um, um infamous farms or, or big twins. You go to big twins on IG. And I just followed you. I literally go check it out right now. I just followed you. I about saw an hour you ago. followed me the other day. Oh, I caught you yesterday, two hours ago. I followed you up back here. Yeah, yeah Infamous Farms. That's I N F M S Farms. Yeah. And then Big Twins QB, right? At Big Twins QB? Yeah, Big Twins yeah, QB. Yeah, and we're at Black Market Certified. Dang. Cool. Nice. Nice. Obviously, you can always follow us at purewell.com. Will do. Pete. Tell us uh, a little bit more on where else they can find us and, and take us out. Oh, well, you can find us on anywhere you guys like to listen to your podcasts, uh, you know, iHeart, Spotify, Amazon, and uh, flagship cannabis radio. So we appreciate the time that you guys have given us today. Love to do it again sometime. And uh, everybody else, when they're out there, when you're looking for your weed, make sure you're getting it from a smart, educated source. Black Market Certified and Infamous Farms. There you go. <laughs> Love it. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.